Dear listener and fellow story lover, As March heralds the coming of spring in the Northern Hemisphere, I thought you may enjoy this season-themed advice piece. I can visualise it possibly being delivered in a ladies' meeting or a fundraising event. I hope you enjoy this week's Stories from Before. New Beginnings For the Woman Who Thinks Lack of Money a Bar Written by an old-fashioned person. Read by Selena Cadell, by permission of the Lutterworth Press. Music by Stacey Weir. If you have some raw conditions facing you this March, an old house maybe with carpet showing their teeth, curtains draggled, furniture getting shabby, the garden dilapidated, fences demoralised and the problem of bare living staring at you, You are facing the call to greatness. If you are rich, and all there is to do is send for the vacuum cleaner and the decorator, there really isn't much chance for you, unless you have some wonderful talent, and so few of us have. But we whose matting are getting frayed, whose curtains are worn out, whose chairs are in the last stages of old age, and whose children need spring clothes, I cry, hurrah for us! because we must do some wonderful things. Sooner or later the world must learn, and learn it thoroughly, that work is the greatest joy of life, that our chance for the spiritual development which must be the object of existence lies in the place of work and in the doing of really necessary things. By my side as I write sits an old rocking chair I had when I started housekeeping. It was but a cheap little chair at the start, and it has miraculously survived 35 years of use. But the bottom and back wore out, and I upholstered it in green serge with a border of bright crouton. Some people might think it looks very funny, but I like the look of it. There's the book lying on it, and somehow the suggestion, as it sits by the south window, is stronger, more humanly potent, than if it were a gorgeous chair, immaculately spick and new. Now our part, I mean those of us who work and think too, in the great scheme of things, is to sound the note of work as a privilege rather than a punishment, a joy rather than a penance. The office of our schools must be no longer to point boys and girls to the top of the ladder. There has been too much aiming at the top of the ladder and too little proper conception of what the top of the ladder really is. We must teach our boys and girls exactly the opposite of what we have been teaching them, which has been nothing more or less than to watch their chances, to let the other fellow do the hard work and get above him. The person who cannot see that this doctrine is the cause of many of our troubles is very blind indeed. The trend of popular education for 40 years has been along the idea of rising above common work, Parents and teachers have tried to spur ambition in children, have striven to lift them into some sphere that should be above the necessity of actual labour. The time has come where we are to reap the sorry reward of such foolishness and repair, if we can, the damage done. We must begin all over again and teach them to love to work, not work like dumb, driven cattle, but like noble patient creatures, willing to develop the faculties they are born with, in full faith that there is an object to our existence. We must believe this. 
We are not here to wait for heaven. We are here to work. But what can I do? This is the question asked by many a human being today. Some are old, some are ill, some are disappointed. Some are held by insurmountable circumstances to tasks that seem too grinding to be borne. My answer to this is that you must work some sort of harmony out of it if you can't get away and start all over again. If you don't like your work, you can always throw it up. That is, if you want to leave it badly enough. You will say, I would if it wasn't for... And then, when you get that far, I know that you're beating around the bush. Something that you love or feel a strong duty towards is holding you. That's your work. It isn't mere occupation. If there were nothing but that, things would be easy. The world is full of work. No, it is somebody that you love or are in honour bound to, or it is some thought of pride or duty that is stronger than the call to freedom. And freedom is a myth except as it applies to mind, which holds you where you are. This ought to be the strongest of all indications that the only thing in the world to do is just to make each day as nearly right as you can and bring to your place as much peace and pleasure and intelligence as you possibly can bring. If you are young and poor and have some children, I can't feel sorry for you. You have such a glorious chance. It is the people who haven't much chance that I pity, people who have real afflictions, and people who have fatal mental limitations. There are more of these than we imagine. In fact, mental limitation is about all that is the matter with us. If our brains worked right, our troubles would soon be over. Many of us who are shirking the raw edges of things are doing so through fear. Fear of losing caste in the eyes of our social world. There's many a woman resorting to all sorts of subterfuges in her own home, rather than let herself be seen openly doing all her own housework. She would die of mortification, she says, if the people in their set saw her washing her own doorstep. Personally, I should feel mortification if the people I knew went past and saw mine dirty. All families have their problems. One reason for this is our inveterate and idiotic habit of living for the eyes of the world, when in reality, the world isn't looking at all. Nobody worries because you do your own washing and ironing. Neither are they concerned with the fact that your father has not been remarkably successful in his business. Other people always take their cue about your circumstances from your own mental attitude. If you say, Dear father, dear home, dear child, so will your friends. About 30 years ago, a movement struck society which I call the regime of the bourgeoisie. It was the rise of a hopeless and studied mediocrity, the rule of the incurably nice woman who could keep her house as polished and hard and unsociable as a pair of forceps and entertain with method and precision 
according to some fixed rules that were supposed to pertain to exalted society. Everything was cut and dried, and the meals served with frightful precision and decorum. In fact, they must be served. Did you ever notice the kind of people who dare to be informal and who can do it successfully without descending into rude familiarity or vulgar disregard for courtesy? Aren't they the very brightest, most intellectual, most widely intelligent people you know? Let me, if I can, get the reason for this before you. It is because of their fully rounded, cultivated, sincere personality. Yet you waste your precious energies trying to copy some impossible standard of living and get to be something other than what you are in order that you may compete with your neighbour's style of living. You are allowing this foolish standard to overshadow you, to discourage you. You contrast your home and your surroundings with those of these unspeakably stupid folk who have no better thing than what money can buy to arrogate themselves on. And all the time, salvation is free. What is salvation? Well, among other things, it is the full and free development of the spiritual life. And this includes the fullest intelligence the mind can compass, the largest understandings of the heart, the freest action of natural impulses for good. Do you fancy that being poor and having to work keeps you or your child from being somebody? There is only one way to be somebody, and that is to be it. Surely you are not being anybody when you merge your personality in a clique or a certain class of society. You are only becoming one of many thus. If this is one of the grievances this spring, the thought that you or yours are held down by circumstances, dismiss it. You and the universe are here. Other people stand in exactly the same relation to eternity that you do. If your proximity to the raw wind and the sticky mud of March is closer than that of your neighbour, you are that much nearer to the real thing. Throw away all your rags of imitation finery and imitation conduct. Be simple, natural and kind. Books and thoughts and soap and love and work and spring are plentiful. Friends, the people who seek your society for the sake of what you have are never friends. Only those who love you for what you are really count. Spend more time being somebody that you may have more to give of the things that count in the development of personality. For as a people, we are suffering from lack of temperament, and this lack is due to our senseless habit of allowing somebody else to set up our standards of living for us. For about half a century, our people have gone on a perfect debauch of surface culture. This is on the decline now. The reign of work is displacing that of show. Not that brains will ever be below par, but that we shall discover that intelligence does not reside alone in the convolutions of the brain. The body is only the medium of the spirit. We are more intelligent in the doing of things than in the thinking of them. In the grading of our schools, we have made our people imitative. 
only a few have dared to be original. The result has been a civilization in which thousands of people have been trying to do the same things, which, of course, means overcrowded professions and lack of real workers. Don't wait for somebody to tell you what to do. Start something. Maybe the very bareness of your horizon is your opportunity for real creative work. The kitchen floor needing paint, the wall that would be better for a coat of whitewash, are not too insignificant for a beginning. The end. I hope you enjoyed this interesting and spirited opinion piece. Do you have the urge to start something new? Do it. Please subscribe or follow this podcast and share it with your family and friends. I hope you enjoy a lovely week. I look forward to being with you next week when I again share stories from before.